3: I
1: am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents, I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in Four Directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents, I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Wendy, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues.
5: This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis.
1: Hey, we're going to get with John here in a minute, but first we want to uh, play a quick update from uh, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Welcome, uh, Lieutenant Governor.
6: I Nina. Mean, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. Last week the February forecast showed that Minnesota's economy is strong and stable thanks to the hard work of working families and small businesses across our state. And the legislature continues to be incredibly productive on legislation that improves the lives of all Minnesotans. Also, the governor and I have been have the honor of appointing incredibly qualified and driven individuals as commissioners to lead our cabinet agencies. To date, the Minnesota Senate has confirmed 13 of our commissioner appointments. These include uh, Department of Administration Commissioner Alice Roberts-Davis, Department of Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson, Department of Commerce Commissioner Grace Arnold, Department of Education Commissioner Willie Jets. Uh, Office of Higher Education Commissioner and Fond du Lac tribal member, uh, Dennis Olson. Department of Human Rights Commissioner, uh, Rebecca Lucero. Department of Labor and Industry Commissioner, Nicole Blissenbach. Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation uh, uh, Board Commissioner, Ida Rukavina. Minnesota Management and Budget Commissioner, Jim Showalter. uh MINUTE, uh, Min- or the Minnesota IT Department Commissioner, Ter- Tarek Tomes. Department of Revenue Commissioner, Paul Marcourt. Department of Transportation Commissioner Nancy Dobbenberger and Department of Veteran Affairs Commissioner Larry Herkey. These are all highly qualified and committed public servants who the governor and I rely on to lead the work of state government. We're grateful to these Minnesota th- senators for getting these confirmations done so quickly in this term. Last time I talked about two uh, extremely important bills that had just passed the Senate, Restore the Vote and Driver's Licenses for All. The governor has signed both of those bills into law. The celebrations at these bill signings were incredibly moving and powerful and just a great reminder of all of the work that has been done over decades to make this legislative session possible. People kept the faith and now we're getting it done. Additionally, the governor has signed several other bills, including providing $5 million in emergency funding to food shelves uh, to help more Minnesotans in need put food on the table. And incidentally, that was a bill that uh, was introduced by Representative Heather Keeler, who's a member of the Native American caucus. Um, he also has signed a bill uh, tying the budget forecast to inflation to make sure that we can keep up with the costs um, uh, for Minnesotans. He's authorized the DNR to make changes to improve Minnesota's state park and recreation area boundaries and properly transfer Minnesota county and state lands. And the governor has also signed a bill unlocking. million in federally appropriated funds from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to improve our Minnesota roads. And boy, don't we need it right now. And then finally, um, the governor uh, signed Executive Order 2303, which protects the rights of LGBTQ plus Minnesotans to seek and receive gender affirming care. And with this executive order, we are saying to our trans loved ones, to our friends, to our neighbors and fellow Minnesotans, that you belong here. You are safe here. We want you to live the fullest, truest, happiest version of your life and to be yourself here in our community. We were joined by medical professionals and elected officials, the queer caucus, uh, community members uh, who are all saying the, the same thing. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving healthcare. When our children to, uh, tell us who they are, it's our job as grown ups to listen and to believe them. And when our friends and neighbors tell us that this is critical care that will help them feel safer and happier and more themselves, it's our job to listen and to believe them. And when our medical professionals tell us this care will help improve and save lives of their patients, it is our job to listen and to believe them. In Minnesota, our trans, non-binary, two spirit, gender expansive relatives are seen and heard and valued valued. valued and protected and loved for who they are. That is what it means to be a good neighbor, and I think that's what it means to be a Minnesotan. While there are bullies across this country who may be attacking the community here in Minnesota, we are going to stand up for our trans relatives. There's more work that we can do to protect and support trans youth and adults, but I look forward to continuing that work in partnership with the fierce advocates like Representative Lee Finke and with the community. So we continue to work hard. I'm going to keep sending you updates. I appreciate this opportunity to share with you what's happened down at the Capitol. Chimi Gwich. Pina Gigi, and back to you.
1: Wow, Wendy, just awesome to hear Lieutenant Governor.
5: Always, I'm uh, glad that she's on every, all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Every other week she's uh, drops in with a nice uh, nice segment. But hey, we got John uh, Williams, Director of Development for Native American Community Development on now. And uh, we're really excited to have you on, John. Welcome. Why, thank you,
7: Robert. I am, I'm honored to be here.
1: You know, it was funny, the last time you were on, um, I was listening to the show because, oh, you know, I was critiquing it. And you, it, I, I got to just say this, you were, uh, worked with, the uh, the Valley of the Dolls.
7: Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. Right. And that you blew my mind her? because
1: a friend of mine was in that, that I went to high school with, uh, Julie Tavine. I don't know if you remember oh, that Julia. name.
7: Julia. Yeah, Julia. We love Julie.
1: Yeah. Julia, for sure. She was awesome. Oh. I went to high school and junior high with her.
7: You're bringing me back 30 years yeah yeah great. yeah it was great
1: small world small world <laughs> it is yeah so, i hey, lived
7: in minneapolis for 16 16 years yeah 16 years
1: wow mm-hmm. it was really different back then because wasn't that like towards uh what mid 80s late 80s and the 90s okay yeah the the uh it early 80s Early '80s were kind of a fog to me, if you know what I mean. But I'm I'm recovering. I'm on my way. It was the late '80s
7: that were foggy for me, so I'm with you.
1: Right on. Hey, so that's uh, you're stepping in here for Robert uh, Lilligren. Let's get an update. of what? Uh, what would you like to talk about?
7: Well, we have so much going on at NACD, but I was thinking it was snowing all day here today. I live in Marshall. I don't know if you knew that, Robert. I I commute between the cities in Marshall, Minnesota. So I'm in southwestern Minnesota. But I was thinking that spring is like 10 days away. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> 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 that's We're on our the, third week the, the hope <laughs> of spring is in a week. Um, no, so we, I don't know. Do you know about our urban farm, Robert? No, that's, uh, let's hear about it
1: because I, okay. I hear a little bit about it, but that'd be great so, to. Well,
7: you know, yeah, so. so many people know that we have a farmer's market. We've been doing that for nine years. Um, And everybody loves it. The community comes out. We have vendors. We've got educational tables. It's just a lot of fun from June until October every year. But in the past three years, Hennepin County Railroad Authority has leased um, three plots of land in uh, East Phillips neighborhood on 29th Street on the Greenway between Bloomington and 18th Avenue. So we have three plots of land that we got for a lease that is like a dollar a year wow and our goal with those three plots of land is um it's it's our food sovereignty work where we want to treat the land with no pesticides and honor our traditional ways of growing um the three different plots will be three different types of gardens so we've started with a traditional um uh farming garden um or backyard garden and we have uh 22 uh raised beds um and a lot of this infrastructure robert was paid for by midtown community works um they really wanted to see us in the east phillips neighborhood is really supportive the epic uh group is really supportive of this work
1: yeah let's talk more about that in the next segment you got time for we got to take a quick break here but we want to talk more about that and we want some seeds over here in St. Paul. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're uh, you listening to Native Roots Radio? Presents, I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this short break.
5: Stay with us. Oh.
1: <laughs>
7: The Senior Linkage Line is a free statewide service of the Minnesota Board on Aging, helping older Minnesotans and caregivers find answers and connect to services and supports. Questions about Medicare, transportation, looking to move to senior housing, overwhelmed with prescription drug plans? Call the Senior Linkage Line at 800-333-2433 or visit trellisconnects.org where we help people optimize well-being as they age. That's trellisconnects.org.
5: When we heal from our traumas.
3: When we face our fears.
5: Let go of our addictions.
3: When we relearn our values.
5: When we live our teachings.
3: Respecting our elders.
5: Cherishing and honoring our children.
3: When we honor and take care of our spirit.
5: There will be be no room left for sexual violence.
3: Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
1: Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
5: This portion of the show is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice.
1: Yes, they are. Hey, Wendy, you know, we talk about politics all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the most important things that we do talk about, not that we're important, but we do talk about important things, is that it's really uh, things happen in the local you know, your local politicians, you know, of course we want to vote in the, the presidential, but you know, grassroots and things that happen are, are local. Yes. Our
5: local politics are very, very important. And it's important for everyone to get involved.
1: Well, with that in mind, we have a a guest here, Isaac Russell, who's running for ward three here in St. Paul. And that's our council. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. And, uh, so it's important for us to amplify uh, these progressive voices and and talk about issues and who people are. And so, uh, Isaac, we're really happy to have you on and welcome to Native Roots Radio.
4: No, it's it's my honor. Thank you for for having me on. You know, I'm familiar with, with Native Roots, um, and you know, I've, I've heard your names about because I've I've um, you know been an active in politics for for some years. So, um, no, it's it's my pleasure to
1: join you today. Appreciate that. We always ask, too, uh, where people hear, hear of us, too, because we run out of the run around and Wendy's kind of a celebrity and people are always asking about her. and It's like, wow, what about me? But hey, so we have uh, Chris Tolbert, who's not running for re-election, who's been a friend of ours and, uh, and He's policy. He's become
5: a friend of ours. We got involved with politics and, and uh you know, we consider Chris Tolbert our friend.
1: Yeah, and with he's policy the- and friendship too. And he's been to our home studio here and and held the dog on the lap, and that was a big thing before but COVID. We have pictures, yes. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully someday, uh, Isaac, if things work out, you can come on over and do that too, seeing that yeah, we're neighbors. But let's talk about um, your candid- candidacy. Uh, what uh, what are what are we running on, and uh, what's your experience?
4: No, first of all, again, thank you. But um, and yeah, I would look forward to to holding the dog on on the lap. And um, you know, actually, I just got a text from my mom, and my mom also uh, has listened to both of you in the past. Um, So, but yeah, no, it's um, you know, campaigns are really about making sure you represent people, right? The priorities of any any individual who hopes to represent anyone should be the priorities of the people. Uh, you know, the conversations that they're having with people, what is important to them? So I mean, that's an essential uh, point to you know our representative system. So in terms of you know experience, for me, it's the personal experience and then also a uh, professional experience, but the two are very much uh, linked. you know, my personal experience, I was I was I was born in St. Paul, but I had a lot of housing instability. You know, I lived in 35 different places by the time I was 15, wow. um, unfortunately, including a, a homeless shelter on Wabasha across the street from where I work. You know, so this was my experience living on, on social benefit programs. I was on Section 8. I was on MFIP. You know, I was on, you know, SNAP or the welfare back when or I'm sorry, uh, food stamps back when it was the funny money, when everyone knew that's what you were using when you were at the store. Uh, you know, and the embarrassment that came with that. I've eaten at the Dorothy Day. I have this set of experiences. But what helped bring me out of that, what helped give me opportunities was support of the community. It was progressive legislation that had been passed before I was ever born, right? It's, I went to college on Pell Grants. You know, it was it was that Section Eight voucher that allowed me move to move into affordable housing. It was having experience in a community in which individuals said, "You know what? Your future matters." So, despite the fact, for instance, for a period of time, I lived with with my um, with my grandparents, and they're on fixed income, but they said, "We're going to vote for this levy increase because we think it's the right thing to do." You know, right. I'm going to football games, and there's my friends' parents serving meals. I see roads being repaired. I have the neighbors saying, "Hey." behave yourself when you're out there, because I'm going to go tell your grandparents, I'm going to go tell your mom, um, which of (laughs) course, there was nothing to report.
5: Um, (laughs) I'm sure of it. But, (laughs) um,
4: you know, all of that got me very much interested in in politics and public policy and how do we provide the supports necessary for opportunities for youth, opportunities for families. So, you know, I, I I got my education in, in political science and history, and, and you know, I, I did it the going to the century, uh, going to get my AA there while working on a shipping dock. Went out to River Falls, got a double major in political science and history uh, there. Was working, you know, at a doing an industrial flooring job and just volunteered for a campaign because I still wanted to do public service. So I served in the Senate, Minnesota Senate, for nine years. Wow. Um, as a legislative assistant, including uh, some time uh, working for the uh, assistant minority leader and then the minority leader of the Senate Democrats. Went back and got my master's in public policy uh, from the Humphrey, became the first person you know, on my father's side to, to have an advanced degree and the first person to graduate from a four year college with a, de- a degree. Um, you know, and since then, actually, I have moved uh, on to the Center for Economic Inclusion, where I work um, as a director of public policy. So how can we pass this sort of legislation to create an inclusive economy? What are the systemic solutions to overcome the systemic inequities that we see in our black community, in our indigenous community, in our Asian communities, in our Latinx communities? How do we provide these opportunities? So this is really for me, city council is an opportunity to marry my personal experience of knowing you have to deliver for families because there's someone that needs that with my professional experience to say, Hey, this is how you do this work. So, um, you know, I I would say that that's why I'm running. And that's also, um, you know, I would say my qualifications as it were.
1: Wow. That's awesome too. And I know our districts change too, which, is made it more diversified which is a good thing and uh with your discussion about that i'm a former high school teacher and i know policies schools housing these things that i worked with or saw happening to my students in an inner city school really affected them what what is your you have a lot of background in that what can you do and how can you help our our local kids so, I mean,
4: there's a multitude of things that you know a city council member can do. Part of it is just how do you carry yourself in every day? Part of it is advocating for different levels of government because this is an all hands on deck challenge that we have to make sure that our students are supported and that they have the opportunities to do what I did. You know, and I'm someone that, you know, I, I, my, I bet my story is very similar to the students that, 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 you, that, that right. you've had, um, yeah. you know. I was, you know, uh, when I was 15, actually, um i was living in a not in a homeless shelter but i was living in a a roach infested hotel um because the bottom really fell out of my family i had a 0.7 gpa my freshman year in high school you know i i I was angry right and it was a sort of it was an anger that wasn't directed at any one thing but it was the acknowledgement that you know what things just kind of suck right Right? i go up in the lunch line and someone snatches my lunch away because the free lunch paperwork had come through. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I had gotten into some trouble at school, you know, mm. and had been suspended these sorts of things, but guess what? My mom's at work, right? So all I'm right. at home. She's lucky that I was the type of person who, okay, I'm actually going to be at home, but sometimes that's not the case for, for a lot of folks. So the supports that we can provide when we go back to, uh, when we go to these schools, what, first of all, how can we support our families? Right. What are the things that they need? You know i've spoken with principals at you know our schools and that's what they're saying children are bringing the challenges that they have at home
1: to right. school
4: and it's manifesting them them in, in in ways that are they're getting into fights and then you talk to the child afterwards and the, and the child is remorseful they're sad right but this is the world they're in so the supports that we can do are looking for how we can support our families um and that runs the gamut from looking at how do we make sure that they're able to find employment If they're on social benefit programs, how do we avoid things such as the benefits cliff, which is, you know, a whole, you know, sort of policy thing that I am working on as part of the, my work at the center. Also, how can we fund our schools, including making sure that schools that have a difficult time raising the money that they need from levies, how can we give them the funding that they need, you know, from the city level so that they can provide resources and opportunities, culturally inclusive curriculum that acknowledges the fact that we are diverse and we're becoming more diverse and so that has to be reflected in the way that we educate not just our students of color but also their white counterparts right you know i have two white step sons and i'm very happy to see when they come home and they tell me something about martin luther king that's not just a, i had a dream speech right and mm-hmm. son is talking to me about the people's campaign that he had like yeah. okay, tell me more about that. So, you know, these are the sort of things that we need to do. But then we also need to make sure that we're providing opportunities. One of the things that I would hope to do, if 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 I'm lucky enough to represent uh, my neighbors, is providing, for instance, an internship pathway pipeline through the city council office. So we can teach our youth these are the professional skills you need. These are the issues going on in your community, and let's let's provide you an opportunity. I also would like to use this this position as the ability to um, bring awareness and raise funds for a scholarship for youth in our area. It won't be enough to pay for the skyrocketing cost of school, but something to say that we're invested in your future and we care. So, um, that's the personal, but then also I think the professional things we need to do. And obviously school safety is fundamental to, to, to that also.
1: Right on, you know, and it's interesting when, when you were talking and we're going to take a quick break here in about a minute, but when you were talking, uh, you know, I think, uh, it reminds me of Wendy and my story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was a late bloomer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did, you know, I was a kid of the '60s and a, uh, a mm-hmm. student in the '70s, and and but here we are. And so there's different degrees of speed, and you know, our kids, you know, we can't compare our kids a lot of times to the suburban kids because they're having to figuring out where they're going to live that night, and you know, how can we compare those scores? It's such apples and oranges. But hey. We're going to be right back, and we're here with Isaac Russell. He's running for Ward 3 here in St. Paul for City Council, and we'll be right back after this short break.
5: Stay with us.
1: I meant to say short break. (laughs) Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States.
5: And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected.
1: Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf.
5: Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy.
1: As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired.
5: Learn more at
0: howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Howl. How? Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told. Thinking rape is cool, think about it. They think it's not wrong, violence against women, the rape, the abuse, the emotional, physical. They all hold the hate, think about it. Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh. Talk about it like nothing is wrong, think about it. They all hold the hate, gotta stop the violence. Stop the hate, think about it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Sexual abuse has hurt our native people. It's still hurting them. My cousin was raped when she was 13 and two months later she found out she was pregnant. Now she is hurt because her baby has no dad. We have to stop sexual abuse against Native women and girls. We shouldn't have to experience sexual violence. Work with us to stop this abuse. That's not too much to ask for, is it? Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
5: This is Santita Jackson. Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, we'll bring you the best progressive talkers, thinkers, and doers on AM 950, Minnesota's Progressive Voice.
1: We're facing into some of the greatest challenges
3: the world has faced in decades. How do we address this great transformation in how we deal with land, how we engage with people, how we produce enough food but produce it just and regeneratively,
2: And how do we do that at a time of social, economic, and climatic emergency? Attend the Regenerative Agriculture and Food Systems Summit in Chicago on March 28th and 29th. This summit brings together farmers, food and beverage brands, and stakeholders with one unified mission, to accelerate the transition to regenerative agriculture. Together, we can build a more abundant and resilient food system for generations to come. For more information, go to Regenerative Agriculture Summit USA. Enter the code FOODFREEDOM10 for a 10% discount. That's 10% off with FOODFREEDOM10. No matter if you're eating out or cooking something at home, EatLocalMinnesota.com has you covered with a list of locally owned restaurants and food purveyors. Locally-owned Vinaigrette has been offering the finest olive oil and vinegar since 2009. Reintroduce yourself to all the many flavors by tasting before you buy. From darker white balsamic to cold-pressed extra virgin olive oil from all over the world, there is something for everyone. Vinaigrette, located at 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis or at VinaigretteMN.com. The Park Tavern is your go-to destination for fun. Enjoy the fantastic food like their pizzas, burgers, and sandwiches, the best bowling in Minnesota, their wildly popular outdoor patio, great drink specials, all the big games on their numerous screens, and it's the perfect place for your next private event, even large gatherings for over 200. The Park Tavern is your go-to destination for everyone. Have fun at the Park Tavern, Louisiana Avenue north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park.
7: With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick
1: Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 26, then clouds move in Wednesday with a high of 42. The Electric Fetus is having a pre-inventory store-wide sale now through Sunday. Take 20% off almost everything in the store. The Electric Fetus is located at 2000 South Fourth Avenue in Minneapolis. More
7: information at electricfetus.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
5: This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, hey, honoring health and tradition.
1: Sorry to wa- talk over you. That was a, That's a nice tagline, too. And I think you uh, came up with that tagline, Wendy. So thank you so much. Hey, we're here with Isaac Russell, who's running for... City Council here in Ward 3 in St. Paul, Minnesota, it's really important for us to talk to uh, politicians that are local, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think things happen locally. So welcome back. And uh, really, uh, we want to, Isaac, we want you to be able to uh, give out your email or not your email, but your website and how people can support you. Um, And we want to do that a couple more times before the segment's over.
4: Absolutely. So uh, thanks for that opportunity.
1: You know, we're having our pre- the
4: precinct caucuses are coming up um, on March 19th, next Sunday, start at one o'clock. Ours will be at uh, the Highland High. Um, so one way, you know, uh, to, to support me would be showing up to precinct caucuses and, and uh, being selected as a delegate to our ward convention. Ward convention will be on April 30th. Um, I believe that will be at central. Um, you know, we have all the information and you can reach out and get that information from us at isaacforcitycouncil.com Also, you can find us uh Facebook, uh, Instagram at Isaac for city council, trying to keep it simple. Um, and then also Twitter at Isaac for, uh, ward three. So yeah, that would, that would be an, an excellent way is, is showing up at precinct caucuses and, you know, um, uh, becoming a delegate and and then um, uh, voting for our campaign uh, for the endorsement at the convention.
1: Well, that's exciting. We just touched a little bit on on housing and um, in our last segment, but also how diverse uh, St. Paul and even uh, McAllister Groveland and Highland here is becoming, and that's a good thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So, you know,
4: one of the things that you know I, I think. About where I've been in life is that it touches on a lot of different things for a lot of different people, and allows me to to form connections with people and and find ways forward, right? To overcome, you know, the the bridges that that oftentimes divide us. You know, our population um, in in uh, Ward Three is is diversifying, right? You know, first, uh, you know, amongst uh, our, our white population, we are having newer families, younger families that are coming in and they're having the sort of struggles trying to find uh, homes that are affordable for first-time homebuyers. You know, um, that is something that, you know, was a challenge um, for for myself. You know, I didn't buy my first home until well into my 30s. That sort of 250 to $300,000 starter home that allows people to purchase a home and generate wealth that can pass it on to their children, is increasingly difficult. We have 27,000 households in this state that can't afford a home, but the stock is just not available because the fundamental challenge that we are having in terms of housing opportunities, affordable housing, housing that's affordable, is the lack of actual housing, right? So that's one way that it manifests. We also have a lot of a lot of folks uh, new Americans so our Oromo Ethiopian Somali folks who are who are are, are moving into the area I'm lucky enough to um, to live uh, very close uh on west uh, on west 7th uh, my father actually lives in the ward and and he's been here for a, a long time but he is also uh, someone who's had uh, some health challenges and he's on section 8 and he lives on the Davern Park apartment apartments on St Paul Avenue you know and so i've i've taken care of, of him for years and so the struggles for a lot of a lot of folks in that situation is making sure that they have affordable housing right we are in this in this city over eleven thousand units short for affordable housing to wow. subsidize and incentivize the construction of all of that is about three hundred thousand per unit we're talking billions of dollars across the metro to build all the affordable units we need 13 and a half billion. Hmm. You can over double that to get what we need for the state. So the fundamental challenge is housing. We're going to have to look at innovative ways that we can fund housing. We're going to have to work with folks at the federal level and at the state level so that we're able to generate the revenue we need. I currently, through my work, I'm working with the Minnesota Housing Partnership on an amendment that would dedicate revenue to the construction of affordable housing. It would also help with home ownership purchasing that's one of the biggest dis, um, you know, inequities, racial inequities that we see in our communities, you know, especially for black, you know, it really amplified for our indigenous communities, um, is the lack of housing that gives them generational wealth. And so the wealth accumulation, it, it, all of these things just are not there, you know, and as you know, for me, you know, as someone who, you know, obviously, I, you know, my father was black, but my mother was um, a member of, uh, is a member, an elder in the Ottawa tr- uh, a Native Tribe, and my grandmother hails from a village in Michigan. Right? There was nothing there for them to generate wealth. It actually came from what my grandmother was able to do with her, 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 her husband, who was a white man. So, when we take a look at this housing and what was being able to, to to stabilize generate wealth i my my living situation was stabilized because i was living with my grandparents and they had a home right So i mean this is a foundational problem for us all
1: yeah it really really is and i think talking uh you know being aware of that is half the battle and i think uh especially with the houses going uh you know unbelievably high you know it's just one of the things for our generation was we'd live longer than our, our parents, and we'd have uh, housing, which, as you said, is uh, our wealth uh, that you can mm-hmm. borrow against. That's not only generational wealth, that's uh, personal wealth, and it's out of the ballpark for our kids and their kids.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely true, and, and one of the you know, one of the biggest issues, too, that came with a lot of folks is, yeah, having that equity in the home is great for a lot of folks. They were you know, they had lost homes and they had that equity stripped out in the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So even we need to make sure we do what we can, that the rules are just fair kind of across the board. My grandparents lost their home in 2008, um, yeah. you know, because they had rolled their debt. They had done what everyone told them to do. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden now they can't afford that that mortgage. We are, we are still just trying to recover from, from the effects of that. But in terms of, of, of of housing, the fundamental issue again, is making sure that we're constructing enough housing and we're going to have to work with all stakeholders involved. We're going to have to work with developers, federal government, state government, what can the city do? There's also options to address this through our zoning laws. We can legalize different types of units so we can get the sort of multi use that cities once were, but Mm -hmm. intentionally were created one way and we know why, exclusionary zoning policy. So, you know, the city, it, for instance, has a very interesting uh, study that was just produced that looks at consolidating some of our residential classifications. But most importantly, it's trying to provide options to for new types of housing uh, for folks. So, I mean, this is gonna be, again, I keep saying all hands on deck because that's truly what it is. No one solution is going to solve
1: all of this. Exactly. You know, I, I wanted to switch gears real quick. And when, uh, when I was young, you had to to work in public schools, you had to live in St. Paul. If you were a police officer, you had to live in St. Paul and, uh, you know, uh, in the city. And I think what happened was it ended up finding out that it was unconstitutional. So mm-hmm. we have our, our officers and our teachers that don't live in the city. So it's hard to, for them to buy in psychologically, I think. Um, to what's going on. The 99% of the police are good. And how do we vet out the bad? And also how do we support our neighborhoods with the, with crime And, and where are you at with that, Isaac?
4: So, you know, this is a fundamental thing that, um, affects us all, but affects us all differently. And so I think we have to acknowledge the struggles that are in one area necessarily aren't the struggles in another area. So how can we be supportive of the different initiatives that we need to provide what I like to call truly comprehensive public safety? So that comprehensive public safety should really take two forms. The first form is really, how do we keep people safe in real time? This includes how do we keep our schools safe in real time part of it obviously is going to be okay we need the presence of officers but how do we embed them in communities that and and give them ways incentivize them to form relationships that's necessary for trust in areas in which there's high trust between law enforcement and and the community they are much more effective at their at their job but we need to acknowledge that there are certain communities in which that's just not true and so what are the ways we can be supportive, right? Highland, McAllister, Groveland, uh, West 7th area that we uh, have, we're lucky to on average have a higher level of, of, of trust and have a better relationship with law enforcement. But what do we need to do to support other areas so they can get to where we're at? Because being safe and secure for those folks matters just as much for us. And if they're not, then we're not. So part of that is maybe, is looking at community models for policing But then also there's this other aspect and that aspect is is investing in people and investing in people in terms of obviously giving them resources so that they're able to make ends meet but providing them opportunities so that they can get the education that they need so that they can have the constructive activities that allows them to grow so that they can form relationships not only with law enforcement but with their neighbors so that that community sense gets brought out also What's the sort of cultural sensitivity, the cultural training, the cultural knowledge needed by law enforcement to allow them to effectively form relationships and move throughout these communities? And part of that's going to be working with leaders. I think also one of the things that we need to look at, too, in terms of public safety is in, is how do we provide opportunities specifically from, for male youth? Right. Mm-hmm. We have seen COVID exacerbate some of the challenges already in this community. So I think what we need to do is we need to meet youth and where they're at, provide them investments, provide them mentorship. Do not take a strictly punitive model that seeks to punish them while providing them no opportunities because you're not acknowledging the struggles that they have. Um, So really that's how I approach it. It's yes, we need to stay safe in real time, but the biggest thing is there's an opportunity to invest in, in our youth.
1: Wow. Yeah, definitely. Hey, we got like less than a, a minute left here. I want to give you the floor, but I also want to say Isaac for city com and on Instagram Isaac for city uh, council uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So you uh, got a minute, less than a minute. Uh, really uh, just thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to give you the floor here in the last 30 seconds.
4: No, the, the the thanks is all on, on my end. Thank you so much. It's great to, to, to speak with you here. And, you know, what I want to say is I want to represent people the way they deserve to be represented. And I understand you got to talk to all folks involved. I understand you have to do the difficult thing when it's hard to do it. I'm willing to do that. But most importantly, for me to be effective, I need to hear what's important to everyone else. So please contact me. Get a hold of me. Tell me what's important to you. Thank you so
1: much for allowing me on. Wow! Thank you so much. You're listening. Thank you,
5: Isaac. I'll be being in touch (laughs) with you. Wendy will be calling you.
1: (laughs) Hey, thank you so much. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio presents. I'm awake, and we'll be uh, back after this short break.
5: Stay with us.
1: Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash vaccine.
7: For years, my father sexually abused me. For years, I abused alcohol and drugs to stop the hurt and rage. For years, I was afraid I would become a perpetrator just like him. I'm sober now. I've received help to recover from sexual abuse. I rely on our pipe, our ceremonies, and our culture. For the rest of my life, I'll be learning how to live with my past, because overcoming the abuse of my childhood has made me the strong man that I am today. As men in our Indian communities, we must hold each other accountable and overcome our own past of sexual abuse so that we can break this cycle.
0: Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
1: Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
6: This portion
5: of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Howl.
1: Okay, Wendy, the pressure's on. We've had a great show here, um, and we're talking about our sacred animals, which I like to say uh, family, mm-hmm. and um, they are our relatives and, uh, 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 me as a native person, uh, and a lot of people out there like yourself really respect that, uh, that they are family and they're our beings. Mm-hmm. So you've been on the show for, you know, seven years and we've been learning so, so much about our, our relatives. So uh, again, thank you for coming on and sharing your experience, strength and hope.
5: Thank you, Robert. My name is Hanaji Hihani, and I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do so. Yeah, so today I wanted to kind of mix it up, you know, uh, have a fun a fun day, a lot of light stuff. You know, we talk about our uh, sacred animals, which a lot of people would say, like, if we talk about, um, like, wolves and bears and turtles and eagles and elk and deer and all of those animals, you think of, like, of a more, like, a Native American type of, uh, you know, feeling. But yeah. we talk about all our animals. We talk about mm-hmm. elephants and every you know, elephants and frogs and,
1: and dogs. All kinds and of lines, things. Lions and tigers <laughs> and bears, oh my.
5: I know. So I I have this website and it's three hundred amazing facts about animals and we've been we've been we started from the bottom we started from 300 and we're working our way up to number one and i think we left off at 246 the last time so Quizz. these are just fun facts about animals quiz me it's really fun female eagles are 25 percent larger than the males wow. i think i talked about that
1: I don't know, but we get new listeners all the time, so pretend you didn't.
5: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Dog nose prints are as as unique as human fingerprints and can be used to identify them.
1: Uh, Nose prints?
5: Yeah, they're nose prints. Okay. Yeah, they have nose prints. Babe.
1: So you put a little ink on their nose and then <laughs> rub it in a piece of pa- paper and I, wow I okay yes
5: you could I mean they have paw prints too I wonder maybe it's smooth on there and their paw prints they don't have we uh, could
1: do a whole show on that so that's 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 write that one down
5: I don't know if I'm saying this right but it's ichthy phobia mm. is a fear of fish oh I know somebody who has a fear fear of fish.
1: I can see how they're pretty prehistoric looking yeah, when you and they're look at them. Kind of
5: slimy too.
1: <laughs> and wiggly.
5: Alluro, allurophobia. I don't know if I'm saying that right either. Hmm. It's a fear of cats. Oh. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are don't like, well, you know what? i think people like uh who don't like cats or pretend maybe they're allergic they're, yes they do they <laughs> pretend they're allergic
1: some are don't get us wrong or sue wendy but uh yeah <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah well, i don't want to get sued i just lost my space here oh mm-hmm. here we go you know how when you touch the bottom of your um your phone it like goes all the way up to the top
1: we've had uh family members that have said they're allergic to dogs and to cats. And then years later, they have them. And I, and you kind of go, I think they were pulling your leg because they wanted more attention. And they know, I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like,
5: exactly. Come on. You know what a baby goat is called, right?
1: A goat (laughs) tie, a goatee. No,
5: that's (laughs) a baby goat. Oh, okay. It's called a kid.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say it It was called a baby goat, but yeah, (laughs) Billy the kid.
5: A female goat, a female goat is called a doe or a nanny.
1: Doe, a uh, deer. A
5: nanny goat, right? You have heard somebody say a nanny goat? Nope. That's a female goat. A male goat is called a buck or a billy. Yeah. Billy, billy goat. goat. Billy goat and a nanny goat. That's a male and a female goat. Yeah. Listen to this one. I really like this one. I think I've mentioned this one on the radio before.
1: But we have new listeners, so...
5: Yeah, cows from different areas have different moo accents.
1: Kind of like your New York accent and my <laughs> Minnesota accent,
0: right?
5: I know. There are over 2700 types of snakes in the world and they live in deserts, forests, oceans, streams and lakes.
1: Well, like uh that's back up to that one again. So, would you moo Like in from New York, you would moo like, uh, moo. No, you'd go forget about moo. (laughs) All right, go ahead.
5: Sorry. The United States has the highest dog population in the world, France has the second highest. I don't know if that's a good thing or not because we have so many animals in shelters right now. So Uh, I will say this please adopt do not shop exactly we have the highest dog population in the world that's crazy oh they're talking a lot about goats here
1: <laughs> this is the goat section i
5: know <laughs> i don't know if i want to read this one but goats were the first animals to be used for milk by okay. humans
1: ick all I right know.
5: isn't that gross i don't know i don't drink cow's milk either so i think that's for cow I drink babies oats oat milk oat which milk.
1: is made from baby oats <laughs>
5: there are estimated to be 400 million dogs in the world that's crazy yeah i know that's and according to records there are 50 million monkeys in the world <laughs> i always wanted a monkey when i was a kid i know a now chimpanzee it's,
1: now it's like forget it But yeah, back, back then in to, the 60s there was that. a lot of that going on
5: yeah those poor animals
1: i know they're pissed and they are throwing poop at people
5: yeah so exactly mad. the oldest recorded elephant lived for 82 years Wow, that's amazing isn't it wow you know? well you
1: figure they get uh somebody maybe 20 30 years old uh captures this elephant and the elephant outlives them like by a lot of years yeah isn't that crazy to think about that
5: Right, well people get these birds um that last you know, they live seventy years too, so they you know, again, and these and turtles too that last long this, time. Yeah.
1: Mine always died with a soft shell.
5: A unicorn.
1: That's not a real thing.
5: Well it says here a herd of unicorns is <laughs> called a blessing. <laughs> I know they're not a real thing. But Uh, here it says, (laughs) number 232, a herd of unicorns is called a blessing.
1: With fairy dust?
5: I don't know. (laughs) so. Really? (laughs) That's why I asked you what a unicorn was, because I thought maybe I was thinking of something different. I don't know.
1: I can't stop laughing. Okay, so this is the fiction part of our show. (laughs) Okay, the
5: color red, the color red. Unicorn. (laughs) Doesn't really make bulls angry. They are colorblind.
1: I know what makes them angry is a damn knife in their back.
5: Exactly. <laughs> and being in a arena with a stupid man waving a cloth in front of their face. Okay, super to tight the- pants. Exactly. Well, you know what? They've been banning bullfighting around the world. It's being banned. It, it will be, hopefully, in our lifetime, maybe a thing of the past.
1: All I have to say is thank goodness for Gen Z. They don't stand for that. I stuff. know. That's
5: go so Gen cool. Zs. Yeah. It costs approximately $10,000 to train a federally certified search and rescue dog. And you know what? These dogs are amazing. They right. go into disaster zones and help and rescue people. Yeah. Yeah, I know
1: it was so sad during 9/11. Yes, they had to find people just so the dogs wouldn't get depressed. You talked about that. Yeah,
5: the dogs uh, were going and they couldn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do I have time I, for one more? Hopefully, a happy one.
5: The Irish deer is the largest deer to have ever existed. It went into extin- extinction approximately 7,700 years ago.
1: That's a long time.
5: Irish deer.
1: Right. Mean- McDear, Hey, uh, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Native Ritz Radio. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Come back tomorrow and take a listen. We'll be back tomorrow.
5: Save free Leonard Peltier.
1: Now.